So I challenged you at the beginning to go across the room, tell somebody who you really were. Was it difficult? Isn't that difficult to answer that question, like truthfully? To say who you really are? So the question is, who are you, who, who defines you? Do you believe the world? And they have all kinds of things to define you with, right? Has anybody stepped onto a middle school campus lately? Wow. They let you know real fast who you are. <laughs> and none of it is positive. Like, not one single word that comes out of a middle school child's mouth is positive. And they cut each other down and they just throw each other under the bus and you get to high school and it doesn't get much better in high school. And then when you get out of high school, you get it out into the real world, it doesn't get much better out there either. You know? And then we begin to believe that we are those things. And it's simply not true. So I wore this jersey on purpose. Somebody, I, I, know, I know some of y'all are so stupid. Y'all say, oh, you got to stain on your shirt. I know, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> but I wore this on purpose because does this define me? I am a Cowboys fan. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought this jersey because <laughs> I certainly wouldn't buy anything that y'all would buy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Um, but does this define who I am? I'm a North Carolina fan. Does that define who I am? I am a pastor. Does that define who I am? That's the real. I, I want I want us to understand before we leave today who we are, who we are, because there is a passage. I'm sorry, I gotta get my clicker. I forgot. There's a passage in the Bible, where Jesus is praying for us, found in John 17. And it, what happened? Oh, it's over here. <laughs> Sorry, I normally have two screens. Um, okay, so here we go. In John 17, Jesus is praying for us. And he tells us, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. God doesn't want to just take us out of the world. That's, wouldn't that be a lot easier? Because here's, here's the real question behind who you are. Is it possible, is it possible to live as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? Is it possible to live in this world in which we live in and be a believer? Now, I, I, we all say, yeah, 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 that's why we're here, right? We're, we're, we're in church, that's what we're supposed to say. But I was just in Texas, so I was taken out of my context here, and I was put in a different one. And when, when people look at me, they don't know who I am. They don't know that I'm a pastor. They don't know that this is what I do for a living. And who cares if they know that that's what I do as a, as a, for a living, right? Who cares? What I want them to know is that I'm a follower of Jesus. And I don't do the things that other people do on purpose. Because sometimes what other people do, I disagree with. And I'm just not going to follow. Because 
I follow a higher power. I follow Jesus. And so it's difficult, though. It is difficult to live as a believer in the world, in our context in which we live in today. It's difficult because everybody, right, the whole, well, everybody's doing it. We might as well just do it ourselves. Man, (laughs) I worked as a youth pastor for a long time, and that's the mode. That's the mode. Everybody's doing it. I mean, my daughter, so I pick on Janiah a lot, but I'm, I'm so sorry. You're such the joy to pick on. So um, <laughs> Janiah has been asking me for a phone for years, right? Be- why? Because everybody else has one. And I'm like, guess what? I don't care what everybody else has. I'm not responsible for everybody else. Well, that doesn't stop when you become an adult. We are influenced just as easily as they are into, do, into compromise. I remember Mac was talking to me the other day. Well, the, uh, it was been, it's been weeks, maybe months. I don't remember. He talked to me a few days ago, months ago, years ago, whatever. He talked to me. And he, this is what he said. We used to have somebody here who planted a church. And on the church website, it talks about how they don't, um, as far as regarding to hiring people, they don't discriminate at all. They don't care about, you, you, you know, your, your race or your, they don't care about, you, you know, your gender, which is good. That, those are good. But they don't care about your religious affiliation, uh, what? They don't care who you follow. They don't care what you believe in. Just, hey, you can come work at this church. Well, can I just tell y'all something? If we ever get to a point where I can hire somebody, I'm, I'm going to be picky. I care about what they believe in. I care that they follow Jesus. I care that they have a walk that when people look at them, they go, that is a Christian if I've ever seen one. I care about that, and I'm not going to hire anybody who doesn't fit that mold. You know, sue the church, I guess, for discrimination. I don't know. You know, we don't have any money anyway, so go ahead. But it's difficult to live a Christian life in the world in which we live in. It's, it's just difficult. Anybody agree with that, or, or y'all think I'm nuts? Yeah, you think I'm nuts, but it, it is difficult right? It is difficult. Um, because, you know, you see Joe Schmo out there. I bet there's people today who are at the water festival because it's the water festival instead of coming here or to their church or to whatever. I believe that people are going there because it's the water festival. I believe that there are people who are sitting in pews and who are sitting, you know, in churches and sitting at tables who go to the water festival. And if I saw them, they would run the other way because they don't want me to see them behaving the way that they are. 
I remember when we were in Pageland, South Carolina. I was just the youth, youth pastor. You, you know what that means? Not really all that important. I wasn't the real pastor. But I was the youth pastor, and I like to play golf. And so I went to the golf course one time, and do you know, I saw one of our members there, and he had a little brown bag with him. And when he saw me, he took off to his car before I could say hello. You know why? You know what was in the little brown bag? And you know how much I cared what was in the little brown bag? I didn't care at all. I don't care. That's your business. Uh, You you do whatever you want to do. But as for me... As for me, I'm not going out in public and doing those kinds of things because I follow Jesus, even if it's difficult, even if it's difficult. And so Jesus was praying for us, and he said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, even though that would be so much easier for us. It's not to take you out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one because it's so easy to get tripped up from the evil one. Like we're going along our Christian walk, and next thing you know, we trip up because we were tempted or whatever, and we fell. Well, listen, if you have fallen, get back up. Get back on the road. Jesus is waiting for you to come back. Get back on. Get back on. And he wants us to be protected from the evil one because he's so much craftier and wiser and smarter, and he's a liar, and, and he, he, he is better at his job than we are at being a believer. So he's, he's praying that, that God would protect us from the evil one. They are not of the world. So if you've said yes to Jesus, my friends, you and I, we don't belong here. We're foreigners. And so we want to go on home, right? People say, man, I hope I die. I I don't mind if I die while I'm talking right now. Lord, take me, because I'm a foreigner in this world, and I'm ready to go on home. That's where my home is, and I'm going to live like it. We are not of this world. When you have said yes to Jesus, you have been born again into the family of God. And we get to spend eternity with him, and all we're doing is waiting. (laughs) We're playing the waiting game. But there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why God still has you here. Why? Because you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're an ambassador of Christ. Those are the things that can define you, not what the world tells you that you are. Right? But it's so hard to believe that. Why? Because we don't saturate ourselves with God's word. We don't saturate ourselves among other believers. We're out there in the world all the time, and we always hear and hear and see and do and it's, it's, it's just so difficult being a Christian in the world. <laughs> he says, they are not of the world even as I am a, not of it. Jesus is our example, and we're to be like him. But it's difficult. It's difficult. And until we understand our identity, our true identity, we will be ineffective in this world our true identity, not what the world tells us, not what, not what you believe about yourself, but your true identity. And the question is, where in the world do you understand and find who you truly are? 
It's sitting on your tables. You find it in the Word. And He tells you who you are. Who you are. And I've shown you a couple of videos, and the whole theme has been identity, right? Because I want you to understand who you are truly. If you have said yes to Jesus, even if you have slipped up and fallen off the path, that doesn't mean that you're a complete failure. It doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean that you don't belong anymore. It means you need to have some people up beside you helping you back up and getting you back on the right path. That's why I push and push and push small groups. You need to be in a small group because whenever you slip off and fall, you have someone there to pick you up. Because we will start to, under, we will start to believe lies about who we are. We will believe them because we're told over and over and over and over. And we have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. You know, when you're in your, when you're in your 20s, people say, oh, you need to go find out who you really are. Well, what does that mean? That's, that's stupid advice. <laughs> you need to go find out who you are by reading that book. That's who you need to find out, how you find out who you are. It's not by going out and living wild. That's stupid. I've been there. It's dumb. And you know what? Every single one of those paths that we try to take, you know where they end up? Destruction. Every one of them. You better be careful who your friends are because friends will take you in places you never thought you would go and you will go further down that path than you ever anticipated. And you'll get down that road and you'll look back and go, what am I doing? Who am I? <laughs> That's no fun place to be. You can find out who you are by reading that book and saturating yourself with his word daily because if you don't do it daily you get enough of the world daily and it's difficult to fight against so today what i want to do is i want to start this series off we're going to talk about daniel because in daniel we find out a believer who was taken out of his country and placed into a different one how he lived how he lived and so is it possible is it possible to live the Christian life in a pagan society? Do you know we live in a pagan society? I know the rest of the world thinks we're a Christian country. <laughs> Have you seen our country lately? It's far from Christian. It's far, 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 far from Christian. <laughs> oh, my. I just went halfway across the country. I saw how they live and how we live, and it's the same. Far, far from what the Word says. We are no longer a Christian nation. We are getting pushed further and further and further away from that every single day. Every single day. And so is it possible to live as a believer in a pagan society? <laughs> We're going to look at Daniel. We're going to find out, yes, it is possible. 
But it starts, it starts by understanding who we really are. It starts with our identity. So if you want to follow along, you can open your Bibles to Daniel or you can follow along right here. It's Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, good old Nebi, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. What does that mean? King Nebi took over. He took, he, he was able to conquer, conquer Judah. He was able to conquer. The Babylonians at the time were the world dominant. And, and King Nebi, uh, he, he, he was a mean dude. And so, you know what happened back then? Whenever another nation besieged another one, what happened? They take the booty, right? <laughs> How'd you like that, Janiah? They take the booty, right? And booty means they take everything of the land, right? So they take, they take the best of the best stuff, including people, including people. Listen to what, he, what happened. He said, and the, Lord, and the Lord delivered. Okay, wait, let's go back. <laughs> Babylonians came and besieged Judah. Who, who's Judah? Who, where is that? That's God's people. That's God's people. In the next verse, it says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Into whose hand? King Nebi. Right? The Lord delivered the king over God's people into the hands of the bad guy. What? Doesn't that seem odd? Weird? Strange? Not right? What is God doing? Wouldn't we do that? Like if the United States fell and we were taken over by some country, Russia, let's say Russia, and we were taken over by Russia, and we were no longer a free country, and we were no longer able to do the things that we are free to do today, and we were being told what to do, and people were killed, innocent people were killed, wouldn't you go, um, uh, God, um, what are you doing? <laughs> I would. I'd be, I would be totally confused. But God delivered the king of Judah into the hand of the bad guy along with some of the articles from the temple. From the temple. The temple is like the, the, most, the most religious place on earth for the Jews. And the Lord allowed King Nebi to just come on in and take it and delivered them into his hands. And these he carried off to the temple of his God. So they took what was God's, our God, they took it and gave it over to their gods. And God allowed it. <laughs> took it and to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. They were in the wrong spot. The, the stuff that belongs to God 
belongs in the temple, not in some other fake God's temple. This is crazy. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. I think I'm, if I had a child, I'm going to name him Ashpenaz. Come here, Ashpenaz. Chief of, anyway, chief of his court. Sorry, I, there's a bird. Chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. In other words, hey, hey, Ashpenaz, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go find the best of the best and I want and people, and I want you to bring them into, into, I want you to bring them to me. I want you to do this. And not only that, but he, he went on, he said, young men without any physical defect. He wanted someone who looked like me, right? <laughs> he wanted like a physical specimen. Yeah, like, like me. I'm getting there. Yes, I am. I'm getting there. Physical defect uh, and handsome like me again. Like he was probably bald because bald is sexy. So he wanted young, and young, I forgot that part, young men, you know, like me, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Okay, I, I probably don't fit this. He wanted the best of the best. He was able to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. In other words, here you go. Okay, this is what he wants to do. He wants to take the best of the best Jew, right, without any defect, with, handsome, and he, he's smart, and he's quick to learn, and he, he's, he's ready to go. I mean, he's one of those kids, you know, the, the kind of kids you wish you had <laughs> so that don't exist anymore. So anyway, he takes these kids out of their culture, out of the way that they do things, and they're going to saturate them into the Babylonian way. Into their language, into their literature, into how they do things, and they're going to just saturate them with it. Sound familiar? I think it does. I think it sounds real familiar to how things are today. You see, we take our kids, we take our kids and we put them in schools. And we say, you teach them. And I'm not against public schools. My wife is a public school teacher. I was a public school teacher. We send our kids to public school. But, you know, it's not their job to teach them about God. It is my job and Amy's job. And we better do it because you know what? The school system is definitely teaching them the opposite. The opposite. You remember, I've told you the story whenever I was teaching in North Carolina and they said, I, have to, I was teaching science and they said, well, you have to teach evolution. And I said, you've done lost your mind. I will not. And they basically threatened my job and I said, fine, I'll be jobless because I'm not teaching that. That's junk. It's, un, it's not the truth. And the truth sets people free. And my boss, he and I were really close and... Uh, he said, well, can we compromise? And I said, well, it depends on the compromise. And he said, well, I said, let me, this is what I'll do. I'll teach that if you allow me to teach the right way. <laughs> I, I'll teach the way it really happened. Will you let me do that? 
And he said, as long as you make observations, I don't care what you do. I said, <laughs> observations I will make. Are you ready, class? Here's the, y'all are going to be my class right now. Here's evolution. You came from monkeys. Isn't that dumb? Yes, it is, because we don't have any more. So that's stupid. We're not talking about that. Here's how it happened. God said, let there be light. <laughs> happened. And I got to teach them how the truth. And I just, made observ- I just made observations. How stupid that is. And here's the truth. <laughs> but the world has kind of overtaken the schools. And they saturate our kids with stuff that's not true. Now, is it good to know? Sure, it's good to know. Is it good for Daniel and his buddies to know the Babylonian way? Yeah, but for what purpose? What purpose? Is it so that I can believe it? Like it's the truth, it's the gospel. No, no, but it does help us understand how other people think and how we can infiltrate the gospel into that. So is it good to know? Probably, probably. But we can't take it as the gospel. And we got to teach our kids not to take that stuff as the gospel. It's a lie. It's false. It's untrue. Whenever they show you a bone and they say this is millions of years old, don't take that as the gospel. It is untrue. That bone is not millions of years old because the world isn't a million years old. But what tends to happen is when we start to saturate ourselves with this stuff all the time, Eight hours a day. Then we come home and we're on these screens all day. And they teach us the same junk. And it's just in and in and in and in and in and in. And we never, ever, ever get to this, which is the truth. We never spend time in this with our kids. We never spend time in this with ourselves, and what tends to happen is we start to believe the lie. And it starts to become who we are. You see, it will start to be our identity. And we start to have a huge identity crisis. You see, I'm not Dak Prescott. I don't want to be Dak Prescott. I would take his money, but I don't want to be him. He, he gets hit a lot. I don't, I'm not into that. Um, but I'm not him. I'm Chad. I'm not Mike Green. I'm Chad. I'm just me. I, I can't be anybody other than me, right? But man, I got to be something more than just Chad. I got to be a Jesus follower. When people see me, that's what I want them to see. I don't even care if they know my name. Who cares? I just want them to know, like, I'm a Christian, and I don't care. I, I went to school. You know, I spent like 22 years in school. 
Good Lord. How Wow. 22 years in school. So I, I've, I understand some language, and I understand some literature, and I understand some things of this world. But it does not define me. I let the one and only who made me define who I am. And I believe what he says. So when he says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, I believe him. Because I look in the mirror and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you should look in the mirror and think the exact same thing because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that the world wants to point out all your flaws. But God, Jesus, says you're perfect. You're made complete in Him. See, that's who you really are. Not some lie that the world teaches. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. Three years. That's three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. So they were going to be trained, and they were going to come into the king's court, and they were going to serve the king in the Babylonian way. That's what they were going to do. Among those were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Mish, Mishael, however you say that, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. Gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Yeah, that's another good name that you should name your kids. I mean, y'all, y'all totally missed the opportunity, you know? Belteshazzar, yeah. That's what you should have named her. Uh, come on. <laughs> Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Abednego. That's a cool name, too. I like them. I like all those names. Um, but that, they, they changed their names, even. So not only did they teach them their ways, they changed their names into Babylonian names. And if you continue to read, through the book of Daniel, you'll see that he didn't do things the way the Babylonians wanted him to. And he and his friends, y'all know where they ended up, right? Somewhere real hot. But you know what? It's way hotter in hell. So they decided to go God's way. And what happened in that fiery furnace? Jesus showed up, and they had a party. They roasted some some hot dogs and some they made themselves some some uh what do you call those things with marshmallows and s'mores and they they just had themselves a good old campfire that's what they did while everyone else burnt up because it was so hot right so the people of israel were attacked and defeated by the babylonians the babylonians carried off many captives back to babylon among them were daniel and his friends who were then surrounded by babylonians given babylonian names and education given new babylonian uh, training and all that to serve the Babylonian king. They were infiltrated into the Babylonian way. And we'd send our kids out the exact same way, into the American way. He remained in Babylon for the rest of his life. He never, ever came back. So think about this. Think about those people who are in China or who are in you know, some other country that it's not a Christian nation. And they never come back. And they're infiltrated into that culture. Would it be difficult? 
probably. Now, at least Daniel had some of his buddies, right? But he remained a Hebrew. He remained a Jew. He remained who he was, despite his location and surrounding pagan culture. The question is, do you? Do I? Do do we? Do we? Can we do as Daniel did and remain true to ourselves, no matter the surroundings, no matter the culture, no matter the circumstances that are going around us? Can we and will we, we remain true to who we are? That's the real question. And it's difficult. It's a difficult one. So the names. I want to I just share with you what these names mean, right? Don't, we're all interested in, like, what does our name mean? Like, Chad, what does it mean? It means a child of God. I don't know what it means. Eh. Anyway, Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. That's what Daniel means in the Hebrew, right? That's what it means. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. And I want you to think about the story of Daniel. And is this true for these guys? Like, God is my judge, and the Lord shows grace. He showed tons of grace to them, right? Mishael, who is what God is? That's what his name means. And Azariah means the Lord helps. The Lord helps. So the Babylonians, when they took these guys, they gave them new names. You remember? They gave them Babylonian names. Now check out what those names mean. Belteshazzar means Bel protect his life. That's their God. That's the name of their God. (laughs) So how offensive, how offensive is it that they even change their names to something like this? Pretty offensive. For a Jew? Oh yeah, that's, that's super offensive. Shadrach? That means command of Aku. It's the Sumerian moon god. (laughs) Again, so offensive. Meshach means who is what Aku is. He took his name, which meant who uh, who is what God is, to who is what Aku is. Just change that little part. How offensive. Totally offensive. Abednego means servant of Nego or Nebo. Servant of this other God. And he was a servant of the king. And they were like, you are no longer what you were. You are now a true Babylonian with a real Babylonian name. And you're going to behave in a certain way and believe in certain things that you don't believe in yet. But we're going to teach you and we're going to train you and we're going to give you new names and we're going to infiltrate you into this culture. Wouldn't it have been so easy for them to just become Babylonians? Isn't it so easy for us to just fall into the American way? and chase that dream, and chase that money, and chase that fame, and chase that power, and chase all those things that, if we were honest, when we were telling people who we are, 
that's how we described ourselves? Or that's how we would describe ourselves if we were honest? Isn't it just easier to be like that? It is. But Daniel and his boys said, I don't care if you give me a new name. I don't care if you infiltrate me into this culture. I don't care if you teach me the Babylonian way. I don't care if you give me the Babylonian literature. I don't care what you teach us. We are followers of the king. And we will not bow down to your ways. We will not. We will not eat the food that will defile us before our king. We will not. Well, they, they give us such a good example that we can do this too. But it takes some resolve. And it takes us to understand who we truly are, our identity. You are able to stay committed to God's purposes when you know your true identity. When you understand that you are a true child of the King, when you know that, when you have that nailed down for sure, no questions, no doubts, when you know that, you know it doesn't matter what the world throws at you. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It just bounces off. You know, before I became a Christian, I I used to party and drink and do all kinds of wild stuff. Dumb as ever, going down the road of destruction. And whenever I became a Christian, do you know how hard it was for me to stop all that? It wasn't hard at all. Because I identify with Him now, not with all this stupid stuff I was doing. So when we started this diet, Carrie and I, when we started this diet things for the biggest wiener, and he won, by the way. Hey, you didn't bring your trophy? Oh, that's too bad. Well, I got him a trophy. Well, I didn't really get him a trophy. I got a trophy for the winner, which happened to be him. He lost 16 pounds in a month. Good job. You're the man. I lost 14, but he won. Okay? But awesome. It, it, It helped us both. But do you know why I think I've lost 14 Because all I used to ever drink is Dr. Pepper. Like no water, nothing. Just I love Dr. Pepper. I don't drink coffee. It was my Dr. Pepper. And I would drink Dr. Pepper in the morning, in the the mid-morning, in the lunchtime, in the after lunchtime, at dinner time, after dinner time. I would have like six to eight, ten Dr. Peppers a day. And no water. And since we started this diet, I haven't had one Dr. Pepper since the diet started. You know why? You know why? Because I made up my mind. I just made up my mind. I said, I'm not going to do it. Because I know that this helps my little buddy grow. And I'm tired of this little buddy growing. And it was the major cause of it. Because I don't drink beer anymore. I used to, but whenever I became a Christian, I decided to stop that. And you know how many headaches I've had? Since I started this, one, one headache. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I don't know why I haven't had more, and I'm thankful that I haven't. But I've just decided, you see, 
Because I don't want Dr. Pepper to, like, people look at Chad. You know what people used to get me for Christmas? A big thing of Dr. Pepper. Like, it was my identity. How dumb is that? I don't, don't get me any Dr. Pepper anymore. I, that's not who I am. <laughs> but when we're able, we're able to stay committed to God's purposes when we truly identify with Him. When we truly step over that line and that world throws all this junk at us, it can just bounce off because I don't identify with that anymore, you see. How about you? How about you? You identify with the king or with the world because it's really one or the other. And so I have one more video to show you. And, uh, and I just kind of going through all this. Are you about to play the video for me? Yeah? I'll come back to that. According to the Bible, I am God's possession. I am his child, his workmanship. I want you to apply this to yourself. You are his friend, his temple, his vessel, a co-laborer and his witness. You're a soldier, an ambassador, a building, a temple. You're his husbandry. You're a minister and an instrument. You're his chosen, his beloved, his precious jewel and his heritage. In Christ, you've been redeemed by blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all your trespasses, washed in blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, justified freely by his grace, given all things pertaining to life, given great and precious promises, given ministry of reconciliation, given authority over the enemy, given access to God, and given wisdom for free. In Christ, you are complete, totally in Him, free forever from sin's power. You're sanctified. You're fit for the Master's use. You're loved eternally. You're eternally kept in the palm of His hand. You're kept from falling. You're kept by His very power, and you're not condemned. You're one with the Lord. You're on your way to heaven, quickened by His mighty power, seated in heavenly places. You're the head and not the tail. You're the light in darkness. You're a candle in a dark place. You're a city set on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are His sheep. You're a citizen of heaven. You're hidden with Christ in God and protected from the evil one. You're kept by the power of God. You're secure in Christ. You're set on a rock. You're more than a conqueror. You're born again. You're a victor. You're healed by His stripes, covered by His blood, sheltered by His wing, and hidden in His secret place. In Him you have access to the Father, a home in heaven waiting for you, all things in Christ, a living hope, an anchor to your soul, a hope sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, the tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God, and faith like the grain of a mustard seed. And in Christ you can do all things, find mercy, come boldly to his throne, quench the fiery darts of the enemy, tread on him like a serpent, declare liberty to the captives, pray always, chase a thousand, defeat and overcome the enemy, and tread Satan underfoot. And the only things you cannot do in Christ is be separated from God, perish or be lost, be moved, be taken out of your Father's hand, be charged or accused, or be condemned. That's right. That is who you are. Everything that he just said, that is who you are. That is where you find your identity. And whenever, where do you find all that? You find that in the Word. That's what the Word tells us to who we are. 
you are every single thing that that guy said that we are. Can you put back that, uh, the, where I left off of that little picture? Um, and the world tells us that we're so much not any of that. Whoops, that's not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, Haley. <laughs> So anyway, that's who we are. That is who we are. I I can get there from, well, I thought I could get there. Right there. Okay, thank you. So the good job, Haley. Woohoo! So if you can read any of this, this is who you are. This is your identity. If you have said yes to him, this is who you are. I just want to highlight some of it. It says that I am saved by grace through faith. I am dead to sin. I am complete. I am forgiven. I am the salt of the earth. I am God's righteousness. I am the apple of his eye. I am his beloved. I am set free. Those are the kinds of things that if you can learn to identify with, the world can throw anything at you and you can stand firm in this pagan world in which we live. But it's difficult. Um, I, I can't put, it doesn't let me. Okay. I thank you. So we must know who we are in Christ, citizens of another kingdom, in order to live effectively for God on earth. I, I saw something online the other day where this guy, he, he had this long, long rope, and he colored like the one end of it red, and just like, a, like an inch And he said, this is our time on earth, this little thing right here, and the rest of this is eternity. And we focus so much attention on this little red part. We don't ever even think about this part right here that lasts forever. But you know what? When we find our identity in Christ... (laughs) this thing comes into perspective. This little thing we call life. And we can stand firm in our faith because we know for all of eternity we get to be with Him. And so let's be heavenly minded. Let's have our thoughts fixed on things above. And when people call you stupid, let them call you stupid. Because you're not the stupid one. They don't understand. And so what you get to do is you get to help them try to understand who they are. That they were made for a purpose. They were made by some God who loves them and cares for them and deeply wants to have a relationship with them. And they may still call you stupid. And it's okay. Because your identity is found in Him. And we just get to be the salt, and we get to be the light, and we get to be His ambassador, we get to be His mouthpiece, and we get to be His hands, and we get to be His feet. No matter the circumstances, no matter the culture, no matter what other people say, no matter what other people think, our identity is found in him.
And we must know who we are in Christ to be effective while we're here for this short little time. Just like Daniel and his friends were transplanted from a nation into a foreign one with different beliefs, people who are born again, people who have said yes to Jesus, find themselves belonging to another kingdom, a heavenly one. And we're transplanted and we're put into this culture and we, we, we get to decide how we live here, how we live here. In Ephesians 2.19, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We get to be with him forever. That's, that's what that means. The person by this, Rachel Jones, she says this, Because of the cross, Christians know where we're headed. Because of the cross, we know we get to spend eternity in heaven. And because of the cross, we are guaranteed citizenship. In other words, when you said yes to Jesus, you, do you know, I, used to, I normally wear a little pocket, do you know when you say yes to Jesus, you are sealed until the day of redemption? And do you know who can break that seal? Can, can you break the seal? No. Can Satan break that seal? No. The only person who can break that seal is God himself, and he's going to open it up when you get to heaven. So when you say, so I, I say, when people say yes to Jesus, they're saved forever. Not like they decided to not follow him anymore and I've not become a Christian anymore. I, I, don't, I don't believe that that really happens. I believe we're sealed until the day of redemption. And I believe that whenever God saves us, it's not temporary, but it is for eternity. And because of the cross, we're guaranteed citizenship in heaven. It is the country we belong in, the home and land we've been looking for all our lives. The color of our passport is blood red, and our eternal visa has already been irrevocably stamped in. Who are you? Who are you? Started with that question. I'm going to end with that question. And I want you to think about it and pray about it. And if you've never said yes to him, you can say yes to him today. And you can be in the kingdom. And it's so simple, a child can understand, yet pro so profound, we don't fully understand but it's real simple. It's ABC. It's first we have to admit that we've done wrong, and we all have. We've all gone down that road. Nobody is exempt from that because whenever you're a baby, you're the most selfish person on the planet. It's all about you, right? <laughs> we, we just spent some time in Texas with our, our bro, my, uh, my brother-in-law's baby. Man, that thing just cries whenever it wants, poops whenever it wants. You know, they don't care. They're selfish. Well, that's a sin. <laughs> and so you're born a sinner. So we're all, we've all done bad is the point. And we just have to admit that, which is the hardest step of all. But then we believe that Jesus is our answer to the problem. See, because when you sin, and you know this, we know this. So let's say that somebody lies to you. How do you feel about them? Has it broken a little bit of that relationship? 
Yeah. How about when they steal from you? Yeah, it breaks that a little bit. You know, it's the same with God. When we do stuff that doesn't align with him, it breaks off that relationship. And we have no hope other than the cross. And we have to believe that is true. And that Jesus died and he, he, he rose from the dead three days later. We have to believe that. And then we commit our life to him and we are in the kingdom of heaven, stamped and sealed until the day of redemption. Glory, hallelujah, praise God. You don't say it, I'll say it. I don't care. So, it's simple as that. For those of us who are, are a Christian, yet we find ourselves so easily tempted by the world's way. You guys, listen, we need to repent of that. We need to tell God sorry and turn our backs on that nonsense and head towards him. And say, from this day forward, I'm not living like that. I'm going to live like God wants me to from today until tomorrow. And then I'll repent tomorrow and do it again. Decide that we are going to have our identity found in Him and in Him alone. Who are you? Let me pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that you shared so that I could share it today. God, I pray that you pierce the hearts of your people. And that, Lord, that we will be different, that we would find our identity only in you. And when that temptation comes, Lord, Lord, it's so easy to fight off when we have our, our identity found in you. Because it's not who we are. Who we are is a child of yours. But Lord, when we stumble and we fall, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. And your word tells us that when we ask for forgiveness, you are faithful and you are just. And you forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you remember them no more. And that we, there is no condemnation found in you. Lord, so forgive us when we don't do as you ask. We don't do as you say. We don't follow what you have laid out for us in Scripture. Forgive us. Lord, and as we try to walk the way we need to, Lord, give us strength when we need it. Give us that extra something that we need and help us to find our true identity so that when people say, who are you? And you say, I am a child of the king. I am his beloved. I am his ambassador. Mainly, I am just his. Hmm. That's so much better than anything I can even think of. <laughs> Lord, I just ask that you would work in our lives and that we would be a blessing to others.
it's in your name I pray. Amen.